Morning, Richard. Morning, Alan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, and um, thanks for uh, again for agreeing to talk with us further about all things brain injury. And um, you had the great idea, Alan, of thinking today about physical recovery, physical rehab, because it's one thing that we've not discussed yet. And obviously, for many people recovering from brain injury, uh, not all, but for many, there will be issues around uh, physical difficulty or disability that they may be struggling with or that may form an important part of their um, rehabilitation. Yeah, so I'll hand over to you, Alan, to talk a little bit about that today, and then I can chip in with some questions. Uh, no problem at all. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so I think kind of everyone kind of listening to this, if if you find that it's yourself that um, has kind of woke up after your accident uh, with a physical disability or you know someone who has a brain injury and is, is struggling with a physical disability, I think there's a very there's a very big point in my personal experience of my own recovery that being able to see your physical uh, recovery um, can give you many boosts in your self-esteem, um, how much effort you put into other kind of therapy and stuff like that because your physical recovery uh, is much more easy to judge that it's improvement, uh, improving. Sorry. So, for example, when I first woke up out of my coma, I was in a wheelchair. Um, obviously, four weeks later, I was then walking. And obviously, to me, that that played a massive part in my confidence, like I say, trying harder and other therapies, uh, pushing myself that bit further because I could see one day I was in a wheelchair, the next day I'm kind of up and walking. So for me, that was quite easy to recognise. Um, obviously, people with brain injuries are going to make mental recovery and improvements, but they're they're a little bit more less less likely to be seen because there's no there's no such score sheet out there. There's no there's no there's no record of saying oh, I was here being able or not being able to do this, and and now I'm able to do this. This this will be something you'll see in yourself. But I think, like I say, from my own experience, having those physical improvements alongside your mental improvements um can help kind of like give you that push to want to try harder to succeed it's a really good point alan excuse me that around um being able to see the change because as a psychologist i think a lot of the things that we're working on and thinking about with people in their rehabilitation you can't necessarily see and therefore you're probably more reliant on other people's views on it and the person who's um, experiencing the difficulty trusting the views of others that things are improving or changing without necessarily being able to see it themselves um, during times when maybe um, aspects of one's own awareness are different because of the effects of the injury so that tangibility that you're talking about Alan is really important what was the hardest bit for you Alan because you, you talked about the the positive bits of progressing from being in a wheelchair to walking quite early on in your recovery what were the hardest bits do you think uh certainly for me in the earlier stages was was knowing if i was ever going to walk again if i was ever going to like be looked upon as normal because obviously whilst i was in the wheelchair like i felt i was getting a lot of looks i felt there was a lot of people kind of like pointing and sort of like um judging me with that without me hearing it like it played a massive part in my my self-esteem how how my future might look um like is is this is me now stuck forever in a wheelchair because of no fault of my own um 
yeah and then like i say kind of each each physio session and each time i tried that bit harder to kind of get myself to walk in like i say there, there were slight improvements so then like i say i didn't just kind of jump out of the wheelchair and start walking normally of course um it was a gradual process so obviously i started walking with banisters either side of me and i started walking with a stick and i was kind of like only using the stick if it was really necessary and and like needed to aid me so it was a slow it was a slow progression like i say it weren't a click of a finger that i wasn't walking and then suddenly walking but but having those like slight improvements and you being able to see it i think is much more important than your mum and dad saying oh you're doing well are oh, you doing this or your best mate going oh come on you're doing really well here keep it going and therapists like oh alan you're doing you're doing really well here kind of keep up the good work like everyone else's opinion when you're going through this difficult time doesn't mean anything it like I say it could be could be your wife you're married to for a hundred years could be your could be your best mate your dad or your your, your mum who's your best friend whatever like all their opinions like is worth like zero points because because you're going through the struggle you'll want to see your own improvements and i think like i say because physical is so easy to be able to judge on if you're doing it right or wrong i think it does so much for the individual yeah i think that's a really good way of um, describing it that you can see it for yourself and that maybe therefore you're less reliant on other people's views which is is really important particularly but not only early on in recovery i was thinking also as you were talking hannah because you said they're about being uncertain will i ever walk again so those questions were featuring quite prominently that uncertainty and i would which i suspect is a huge issue for many people, particularly in the early stages, post-injury, uh, must be incredibly difficult. And I just wondered if you could say a, a little bit about, I mean, it, thinking for you, Alan, it's quite a long time ago now, but I just wondered if you could relate back to that time when that, that uncertainty was very real for you and what that what that was like. No, of course, yeah. And, and even though it is near on 18 years away now, um, it, it's still quite a strong um, feeling and emotion that I was going through and, and at a certain point in my life because I, I think I could probably say I was at one of my lowest points. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was was pretty difficult, like I say, so, certainly first waking up out of the coma and not being able to use one side of my body and everything was being done from sort of like feeding you to sort of like uh like moving things for you like, like everything that you that you kind of grow up wanting to become independent and being able to do was was pretty much all taken away from me a blink to an eyelid um and that that for me was quite quite demoralizing actually to be fair because i was quite an independent guy um but then like i say that independency coming back slowly and obviously in my in my earlier waking up out of the coma it wasn't happening as quick and obviously that was that that was a bit disheartening but again i think because of the type of person that i am because i wasn't seeing kind of improvements that quick that kind of like that kept me kind of fighting to want to do better to want to be doing more to want to be able to kind of get myself to or as close to the old me and obviously i know i know through the years of my recovery that like i've been told by many therapists and doctors and experts that i never i never will be 100% old alan but like I've said to you in our previous chats, Richard, that if I can get to 99.9% old me or even 98%, I'm happy with that because obviously I've got I've got an injury in the brain that may never completely fix, never completely heal, will always be there to the day I'm in my my coffin. But 
as long as every day I'm trying to get as close to that 100%, I feel I'm winning. Thanks, Alan. You, you talked there about the slowness of the, the change in the recovery, particularly in the context of your physical, the physical changes. Um, how do you stay or, or how, how did you stay motivated during those periods? Because it sounds like what, what you were implying was that it could really threaten motivation, couldn't it? Because the maybe the change isn't happening quickly enough to convince you that the immense amount of effort that you're having to put in, and we'll maybe come on and talk about that in relation to um, rehabilitation generally, that it's very effortful. Did you ever doubt it? Did you ever think, oh, this is, just isn't isn't worth it? Or how do you keep going through those periods? Yeah, I, I can't lie and say that I never I never went through that period where I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to give up or, yeah, this is never going to happen or this this is never going to be something that I'm going to be able to do again. Like I've, I've always had that like little bit of fight in me. But what, what a lot of people have got to remember, and this is obviously more important for the client to remember than so much people supporting the client because obviously it's, it's easy for someone on the outside to say, oh, yeah, you can do it. Oh, yeah, just try that bit harder. Oh, yeah. Like, don't worry about what happened just a minute ago or last week or whatever like that. Come on, you can do it. Like, it's easy to say that for someone on the outside. But someone like myself who like was, was going through that, that that period, that time, that emotion, it's, sometimes it's not as easy as as what you'd like it to be because the brain controls the whole of your body. And obviously, I'm not trying to tell you your, your job here, Richard, and you know this yourself, but the, the brain is a very powerful, a very powerful uh machine i'm going to use the word as because it, it can make you do a lot of things and and that saying mind over matter i believe is quite strong and like i said there were very very many times that i thought of giving up and not trying anymore and oh, sod this, this this is not going to happen again for me but what we've also got to remember is rome wasn't built in a day david beckham wasn't the best footballer in the world kicking the football for the first time you know, like people have got to try, people have got to fail to learn around their own sort of like mistakes in being able to kind of do it better or being able to do it in more succession. So like, yeah, there were many times in kind of getting low and not doing it right, but they were they were learning factors for me. They were they were telling me way other ways in which to maybe attack the same problem. Uh, and I know it's quite difficult to say that in a physical from a physical point, because obviously you can only walk and swing your leg one way, blah, blah, blah. But like you've just got to remember that some things won't happen overnight. If you're a bodybuilder, for example, or or a fitness freak, and you want to kind of become fit, that won't happen over a week or a month's period. That could take a couple of months to be able to get to your final goal. It's the same with the physical body in the sense of walking, in the sense of running, in the sense of skipping. Like again, in my physical recovery experience, it doesn't happen over quick sessions. It happens over months, and even even still to this day. Do I still kind of walk with a limp when I start like fatiguing and when I start maybe kind of walking further than than the average person? But every time that I that I try, that I push myself and that I kind of exceed myself into wanting to do better, that limp, that limp kind of like corrects itself a little bit. Like I say, that limp might be there to the day that I kind of like pass away. But again, as long as I try to get as close to that 100%, I'm winning. One thing I was thinking as you were talking then, Alan, was about, it was something I saw um, some years ago, and it was a physiotherapist who I think worked with yourself as well, um, had, had published or posted this very powerful video of a 
some video recordings of a client that they were working with at different stages of their recovery. So for example, maybe 12 weeks after their injury, um, six months, a year, 18 months, two years, and they'd put it together. And it was incredibly powerful because that slowness that you're talking about and keeping that faith in the process is can be very difficult. And I, I, I just think that those, those examples of people that have been through that process and making that very tangible and visible is really important. Um, I just wanted a quick question, very specific, really. And I was, because um, that, that the physio that I was referring to also does a lot of um, group based work as well as one to one work. And I just wondered what you found most helpful in terms of physical rehabilitation. What kinds of things was it? Was it the one to one work, do you think, or was it other things? Because I know you do a range of things and you use the gym a lot too. But what particular things do you think you found most helpful? I think at the early stage of my recovery, having that one-to-one sort of like um, like work partnership with 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 the physio that I had helped me, I think was very important kind of thing because obviously I'm getting a hundred percent of of him or her's attention, which at at the most kind of vulnerable point in your recovery, because you're needing you're needing that slight push to kind of push you on further to kind of want to like accomplish more. I think it's very important having one-to-one therapy um as obviously i progressed and not obviously like within weeks or days from the from from i woke up but sort of like a couple of years on from when my physio was getting better and i was able to walk and i was kind of just starting to run again which was another kind of like goal of mine it didn't come until at least six years after my waking up of my recovery but it was always something that i wanted to do but i knew it was something that was going to be a, a further goal than being able to walk and like i say it was about five six years after uh, waking up that I managed to start running again uh, and that was because of eventually progressing up to the group to the group kind of like um, sessions um, which obviously you don't have so much of the the therapist's attention and it's more about yourself and having like your own self-control and sort of like past things that you've learned in the physical world. Alan I know you're someone who you you're um possibly quite rare in well you're possibly quite rare in many respects but one respect is that you like exercise and you always I think you always did like exercise did you before before your injury that's certainly since I've known you that's been very evident that you like going to the gym you like working out some people that I know hate it and it's really kind of difficult for them to get the motivation to do these things that you're talking about. I just wondered if you got any tips that you could hand on to people that are really finding it difficult to motivate themselves to either engage in that one-to-one therapy or they're at later stages and maybe being given exercises to do independently or with a support worker or, or, or something like that. Yeah, so just... A quick way to word it is if if you can think of like an infant, a little child, like when they first start walking, like you you, you see how many times they fall over, they trip, they they also they slam down on their nappy kind of thing because of their balance, because their muscles in their legs are not quite kind of like perfect or are strong enough to to be able to kind of exceed them like one step in front of the other. In a way, that's that's one way you can kind of picture um, a brain injury's recovery. That okay, you, you won't do it as much as a child because obviously you've got those initial kind of like years of, of education, of, of kind of walking ability and stuff like that. But 
a child never gives up in being able to walk, wanting to crawl, wanting to run, blah, blah, blah. And I would say someone with a brain injury with a physical ability has to take that same kind of mental approach to kind of wanting to walk or use arms or anything like that together. Yeah, so coming back to your question there, Richard, regarding sort of like physical exercise, um, obviously I, I went back to college and studied personal training because of my love for for kind of keeping fit and wanting to stay fit and, and exercising. And I thought I knew quite a lot about kind of like exercise and what it gave you and how it could help you. But going through that personal training course that I did, I found out a lot more uh, information than, than, I, than I thought I already knew. And there's so many health benefits to kind of keeping fit. It's not just about kind of losing weight or bulking up muscle. Um and without kind of sounding like a doctor or a PhD kind of degree kind of person, because I don't know all the ins and outs like fully, but like releasing endorphins is quite good because it makes you feel good. It kind of like releases it in the brain after any form of exercise, whether it be kind of lightweight work, a short walk, a short run, a short cycle, um, skipping. And again, I'm not going to kind of take you through a personal training course here, Richard, but kind of any forms of exercise, whether it be short or a long spell, um, has more than just a physical look um, bonuses to the person. And like I say, it makes you feel good. You stay in shape. It means you can treat yourself a little bit more because obviously you've got that healthy balance. Like when people look at exercise, they shouldn't just see it as, ah, uh, it's, it's going to change my physical appearance. It can change your physical appearance if that's what you're out to do. But there are many more and other benefits to physical exercise than just your physical appearance. It's almost like treating it as a very individualised thing, isn't it? And when you were talking there, I was thinking about, well, the first thing was about breaking it down into stages that we're all starting from a different point, aren't we? Whether or not we've had a brain injury or not, if we're embarking on exercise for the first time, we've not been terribly motivated to do regular exercise. We're, we're, um, we're having to break that down into stages or goals. Um, also, what you were saying earlier was about the effect of a brain injury on lots of things. So the brain controls everything, including all of our movement. And it struck me that we haven't spoke yet much about your specific, the nature of your physical difficulties, because it's probably important to say that for many people with brain injury, there may be nothing wrong with that part of their body, but it may be to do with messages from their brain to that part of their body, be that their legs or their arms, um, it may be to do with other things around coordination, um, speed of processing, um, and probably other finer, detailed aspects of their movement. And I wondered if you could say a bit about yours specifically, Alan, if, if you um, feel comfortable. Yeah, so obviously when I first kind of woke up out of my kind of coma, I wasn't kind of like fully aware of my physical kind of defects. And, and I know that kind of like... Um, sounds strange to hear it but um obviously because i wasn't as aware or weren't as alert to kind of like my my own disabilities um everything everything that all the doctors and experts were telling me i didn't quite believe it wasn't until sort of like the the following weeks after waking up did i kind of like actually realize okay what what these people are telling me is is actually true and like i say that does sound that does sound silly as i hear myself saying it but like i say because I've always been quite a motivated guy to kind of want to do as well as I can. Um, and having the kind of the succession in walking and, and other physical abilities and, and kind of like 
being quite fit and healthy, um, I've always had that kind of like self push because I've always seen my physical ability kind of improving. Like say, some sometimes what I was improving in took weeks, some things that I was improving in took months, but there was always that that improvement that I was seeing. So for me, that was that was wanting me to kind of push on further, to push on harder because. Every time you go up a goal, you've got to expect it to be that little bit harder to then achieve the next goal. So like I say, I started walking. It wasn't the perfect walk, but I was walking, so I was happy. But then the more I practiced, the more I saw therapists, the more I saw these group sessions that are helping to help kind of like different muscles kind of strengthen in different areas. Because physical ability, you've got to remember there are many muscles in the human body and I'm on about there's there's hundreds of muscles in the human body. So every muscle needs to be kind of like at a certain point before it will help another muscle. And again, I'm not going to go kind of too in depth with obviously Richard, because I'm sure you're very um, aware of it yourself, but for people listening, like sometimes being able to kind of use a leg, for example, isn't just about swinging it. Like there's there's other muscles in your in your stomach because of your core stability. The core stability holds you kind of upright. Like if if there are other muscles that are weak and can't and can't kind of manage like your legs, so like swinging for example, then 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 you have to kind of like give it time for the for the other muscles to catch up. So they all work together, being able to kind of like help assist your other muscles that become weaker. It sounds very complex, Alan. It sounds like it's something that, um, coming back to your previous points, has to be very carefully managed and is very individualized. I was thinking that no, on that basis that no two brain injuries are the same, that everyone's physical rehabilitation is going to be different. And that that movement from the one-to-one therapy to the either group-based therapy or maybe more... Um, uh, gym based is sounds like it has to be very carefully planned and organized and negotiated because everyone's going to everyone's going to approach that very differently with your own physical changes alan how would you say you are now and where do you think you're up to with regards to your end goals as it were do you think you're where you want and need to be or do you think you have because you were saying earlier about you know being 18 years post-injury I think many of us might be forgiven for thinking well this is as fit and active as you're going to be but what what do you feel about that is are you there yet yeah no so again like I say working up out of my coma uh, at least the first couple of years obviously I, I felt that my physical ability sort of like progressed very quickly quicker than maybe what I even even I imagined like say even though I had those doubts in my mind I didn't think I was going to walk properly again or run again and stuff like that or use my left arm again because obviously I lost I lost the whole control of my left hand side of the body through the stroke that obviously I had in my coma um but I feel I've got myself to a good stage now because I'm able to run I'm able to walk long distances I'm able to use uh, like kind of both arms obviously one a bit better than the other um, but I've kind of got myself to a point now where like, I'm, I'm able to look back on my own recovery and think that keep trying will only bring bonuses than giving up and just stopping progression at all. And with my left hand, like, I, I feel I've got myself to a stage where it's it's not quite 100%, but it is pretty good. I'm able to do many things that like, I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do again sort of thing. 
And there's there's many things that I'm trialing at the moment and that I'm doing because I'm noticing it's working, I'm noticing it's helping. Again, it's a slow progression, but because I can see these uh, slow improvements, like it, it, it gives me the focus to want to keep trying and keep sort of like um, being able to kind of advance where I am with it. Um, I think at the moment I would kind of put myself at um, a very high point in my progression of my physical ability. But like I said a little bit earlier on, that any fit person won't ever get to the top of their game. You can always be fitter than what you are at the time. So for me, there won't ever be an end goal of, oh, I finally got here, I can give up. I'll always want to keep trying. Even when I get to my highest point, I want to go higher. I think that's the great thing about you, or I don't know, one of the great things about you is that um, that reluctance to accept where you've got to in your recovery, that you're always thinking about ways in which you could improve or help yourself and that commitment to ongoing self-improvement I think is very inspirational and hopefully will be for other people listening too. I was also thinking, Alan, as you were talking, for um, people like myself who are kind of old farts now and um, I've got to that point where physical exercise can sometimes be quite onerous for other reasons, um, that one of the goals for mo- many of us could be about just maintaining our current level And we shouldn't underestimate that. That's a very important goal because you've worked incredibly hard to get to the point that you're at and that sometimes just maintaining that is going to be a very important goal for the future, isn't it, as you get older? Yeah, so for for, for most people, like maybe exercise is, is that little bit difficult, maybe not just thinking about it, but kind of actually kind of getting up and being able to do it. But... I've kind of I've got two strong people in my life that are sort of like very, very kind of like physical based in the careers that they had and 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 kind of the role that they got sort of thing, uh, but they've both of them have always told me that it's never too late to start exercise, and the only person that can give up on yourself is you, as and I mean I don't mean you personally, Richard. I mean you as an individual like yourself. Like if, we can all say, oh, I can't do it. Oh, I, I like. I won't ever get there. I won't ever kind of like achieve that. But if you look at me, for example, and I want a lot of people to look at my own experience, that giving up won't have ever got me to where I am today. It's only through pushing yourself that you'll kind of be able to exceed your own goals. Even if you make those goals simple that you know you're going to, imp- you're going to get there and you're going to complete them, that's, that's a good thing because each time you complete a goal, you'll want to set yourself another one which then you want to set yourself another one and then you want to set yourself another one. So then you would have completed four goals. That's how I would advise anyone to kind of take exercise is set yourself small goals that maybe you know you're going to complete, but you've not completed it until you've completed it. That's a really important, it just reminded me of a really important point and it's about motivation. And one thing within psychology now that we've been aware of for probably quite a long time and is probably at the basis of many of the therapies that we use, including CBT, is that around behavioural activation. This idea that it's action that feeds motivation rather than necessarily motivation feeding action. It's like kind of jump-starting a car. We need something to get us started. And I think many of us can relate to that. Sometimes you've just got to do it. And then the motivation can come from doing it. And then we want to do more, a bit like you've just described. And 
I, I just think that's really important to emphasize, isn't it? That sometimes it's getting started that can be the hardest bit. Yeah. And certainly for me, like normally before I go out for a run, before I start my sort of like physical kind of exercise, which is usually anything between 30 and 60 minutes, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to go out for a run, but I don't want to go out for a run, but I do want to go out for a run, but I don't want to go out for a run. And I'm just like, do you know what? Oh, sorry. I'll put my shoes on tie the laces, get ready, start my watch with my little Fitbit just to track my kind of calories burnt and kind of distance covered. And then I get th- halfway through my run and I think I'm so glad that I kicked myself out the bum because I feel great at this point and I want to kind of like finish it. And sometimes halfway through my run, I think, actually, do you know what? I'm going to go that little bit further. I'm going to push myself that little bit harder because because the chemicals in my brain are going, because, because my heart's kind of pumping, because of my... Because because I'm in a much happier place that I know exercise can bring. And like I say, it's, exercise is probably one of the main reasons to why I'm doing as well as I am today, because it's got so much more benefits. I think there's, what, what do you think, um, you talked about benefits there, and that's a good thing, because sometimes we need to see the benefits or feel the benefits also to motivate us to keep going. What do you feel are the main benefits to you? And the other associated question is, what's your favourite way of, of of exercising physically? Obviously, so being being a kind of a, a, a man, of course, like I kind of like to, I like to kind of look like a little bit kind of like beefy, but more to the point that people could look at me and think, oh, like he he looks after himself. Like I'm not out to kind of be like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Vin Diesel kind of thing. Like that's just that's not my kind of look when I was younger it kind of was but I've kind of grown out I've grown out of that kind of light stage now and I just want people to be able to look at me and and know that I keep fit that's that's all I want so yeah like it's 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 like I say it's easy to kind of give up and it's it's easy to kind of like push it aside but even if you kind of did sort of like 20-30 minutes like you you start to feel the benefits already kind of thing so like that will kind of like help motivate you for your next session because you think, oh, yeah, well, before I started off with that little bit of doubt mind, but halfway through the session, I felt really good. So starting with small kind of things, isn't it? Um, going back to what we were saying about we're all starting at a different point um, and no form of exercise is uh, irrelevant or too small. We just have to kind of kickstart ourselves somehow and that will lead to hopefully kind of increased motivation and engagement with other with other things Alan, i just wanted to clarify something that you said earlier for people who are listening because it may have confused them um but you mentioned about the stroke that you had um after your brain injury and it's probably important to say that for some people that does happen that i think many people think about stroke as being a separate and distinct neurological event that might only happen for to older people but of course, stroke can happen for a whole variety of reasons, and one of them is as a secondary effect or complication of a TBI, and that's sadly what what happened in your case. So it's sort of clarifying that um, your stroke was part of your TBI and occurred um, shortly after, um, and that was one of the reasons, not the only one, but was one of the primary reasons for your physical, uh, these kind of quite significant physical changes that you experienced. Yeah, so like you like you say there, Richard. Obviously, I had I had the stroke within my coma, and I woke up and like I said, at first, I, I didn't really notice it was there. And and again, that that sounds kind of like stupid to hear it, but not like my awareness wasn't as as kind of clear as is now. So my 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 disability in my left hand wasn't kind of really there, let's say. 
it was there. It's just I was unaware of it. And as as the years have gone on, there's been some kind of like days I've woke up and it affects me more. It affects my self-esteem, my confidence in myself. Um, but yeah, like you said just there, Richard, it, it was one of the reasons kind of like why I kind of wanted to get back into the gym after thinking I'd lost touch with it because of the car accident that I had. Um, it was to help kind of build up that side of my body that I had the stroke on, which obviously, again, was my left-hand side. Um, and I and I felt, uh, I felt kind of like, say, through my own personal experience, that it's it done me a lot of favours because I was because I was working on my left side, maybe a little bit more to my right side, that at some point in my recovery, a lot of my friends and family were saying, that actually, that side's becoming to look a bit better than your so-called good side, let's say. So what I mean by that is my non-stroke side. Um, so then it got to a point where I started kind of using both arms kind of equally. Um, and then obviously I've got to the point now where a lot of people like don't even know I've got a problem with my arm because I look very sort of symmetrical. Like I use kind of both arms as, 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 as good to the eye as, as anyone could tell. Um, so for people sort of like in my, in my, in my kind of like, position it's it easy to kind of give up and I, and I feel that stroke kind of like gives you that sense of disconnection with that part of the body that you that you kind of that the stroke kind of attacks um and that's only a a small feeling that you'll have um because it's not there forever i feel that the more you you try to use it the more you're trying to activate it the more you try and make it a part of your life um that sense of disconnection, I feel, disappears. That's really interesting, Alan, because I think many people that I speak to talk about that disconnection, and it's almost like after an injury, people have to, um, that they experience their bodies differently, and they have to sort of build a different kind of connection with it again, or a different relationship. It's almost like a different body in some respects. Um, that behaves differently, um, may not always function as they'd um, want or need it to. So that that ability of rehab to help with that connecting process seems very important from what you're saying too. Yeah, like what what again? I'm no expert in this area, kind of thing. But from my own personal experience, what I feel that happens in a stroke um, is your your brain just kind of like disconnects to the the communication centers within that certain part of the body that the, the stroke has obviously hit. Um, and all it's about is, 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 is trying to reawaken like different pathways um, for that brain, for your brain to be able to kind of reconnect with that part of the body that you've, you've so-called lost, let's say. Uh, and obviously, like I say, so for me, physical exercise was quite important to me. So going back to physical exercise uh, is what I did because obviously having a stroke, I thought it affects the muscles Let's try and awake the muscles to see if anything comes back. And like I say, getting to this point where I am now, I've I feel I've got more than enough evidence in my my own personal life to think that activating the part of the body and obviously working on the part of the body that the stroke has struck um, can help you regain that connection back. Like I say, it might not happen overnight. It might not happen over a few months. It might take a couple of years, but eventually your brain will find its own pathways to and through uh, the stroke to the part of the body you're trying to activate. I'm not trying to lie to people and say it's going to come back to how you had it before your car accident or before your accident, sorry. Um, but it will come back to as, as good as you want it to get. 
I don't know. Something you said earlier, which I think is probably also worth um, touching on before we finish today, was about how brain injury affects multiple systems. I think that's something that we're very aware of as healthcare professionals, that it's very rare that someone has problems in just one area because of the way that the brain is organised and tends to work, that typically we see people with problems in cognition or communication, sensory, physical, and the implication of that for physical rehabilitation, particularly in your case, is that you're not just going to be focusing on one thing. You're going to be your rehab is going to involve lots of moving parts. And some of those may move at different rates. As you were saying earlier about the speed of progress, it may be quicker in one area than another. Now for you, and I'm very aware that um, in addition to your physical difficulties, you had these other kind of sensory changes to your visual processing and cognitive, um, cognitive changes too. And I just wondered if you could briefly say something about that and the challenges presented uh, presented by that in respect of your physical progress. Yeah, so obviously kind of waking up with a with a visual um disrespect, let's say, uh, made it obviously learning to walk that that slight bit harder because you had to then um be aware of of the blind side, uh, which is obviously on the left hand side of my of my face, if if that's how you want to picture it. Um but for me, it was another challenge that I wanted to get through. I wanted to get past and I wanted to be able to show people that like, I can and I, I can do. And a lot of people to this day still say, like, blimey, Alan, like, we were so shocked with how well you do and how little you see, but with how how little it seems to affect you. And again, it comes back to kind of like old me before the car accident, that it's just another challenge in my way that that I will find a way to get through. And I have quite a powerful kind of like, way in which I think and how I kind of like I want to push myself but like I hope I hope some people will kind of take take the motivation that I kind of like, I like to speak with because I believe that if you if you if you face the problem the problem becomes less apparent because you you see ways around it indeed and I think um it ties it up quite nicely because I think because of aspects of your visual impairment for example there were certain things that you couldn't do there were certain forms of physical exercise that just weren't possible, such as cycling, um, which meant that you focused very much on other activities that you could do. Um, and maybe um, that involved kind of running or uh, working on a static bike or other forms of gym-based activity that you knew you could do, even though your visual impairment may have presented obstacles to doing that. There were ways of getting around that either by having someone with you initially or developing that kind of those skills yourself, which eventually you've obviously done and mastered in a whole range of different environments and activities. And then I was just thinking about wrapping up. Um, and thanks again today for talking um, very personally about different aspects of your condition. Because I think when we're talking about our physical condition and our bodies, then um, certainly for some people that, you know, that they're very sensitive things, aren't they? That it's about how we look, how we feel about ourselves, what we can and can't do. Um, but I was thinking about your point at the beginning, which was about the relationship between physical recovery and confidence and self-esteem. And maybe 
Are there any final kind of tips that you wanted to leave people with in terms of the things that have helped you with your confidence and self-esteem through the process of physical rehab and exercise? Yeah, only from uh, from the point of as long as you're trying and you're trying to kind of benefit uh, benefit and better yourself, whether that be mentally, whether that be physically, whether that be like completely, as, as long as you're trying and you're doing well in how you're trying, then the, the, you're the only winner in this game. Yeah, I think we can underestimate that, Alan, can't we? That sometimes we tend to sort of focus on outcomes and that's inevitable, isn't it? Because we all want to see kind of change. Um, but essentially how hard people are working and the effort that they're putting in, which is very difficult to measure, incidentally, is equally, if not more important, isn't it? You can only try as hard as you can try. And um, your point is, is that, you know, that's after a brain injury, you know, that's very individual, isn't it? Um, I know we've talked in previous podcasts about other other very intrusive and disabling symptoms like fatigue, for example, that can really prevent people from engaging in physical activities, um, certainly to any significant extent. And it's taken those things into account as well, isn't it? That in terms of the person's profile of difficulties, that things like fatigue and other aspects of their condition may prove very limiting. And they have to work initially at least um, within those limits and that's maybe as much as they can do and recognizing that yeah again so like like you're saying there Richard that obviously yeah it's easy for um, other people to kind of judge and make opinions and kind of like say things that they're not maybe like 100% fully aware of or fully understand of uh, but as long as as long as a client is trying as, as hard as they can um, then then you can't ask any more to be fair than that no, one thing that you said earlier, and we talked a little bit about other, um, other kind of experts and people who are specialists in physical disability and physical rehab after brain injury. Maybe in a future podcast, we can get someone on to talk with us in a bit more detail about some of the issues you've touched upon today. Um, I think that could be really interesting too, do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, try getting in contact with a few of the people that have helped me in the past and see if they can uh, sort of like uh, talk about my experience with them and, and how they found working with me was was probably not the easiest of uh, clients to work with, but how was one person that never gave up? That would be, yeah, that sounds like a brilliant podcast, Alan, and one that um, I certainly look forward to. And thanks again for today. Thank you, Richard. Speak soon. Speak soon.